Welcome to the East Texas News Roundup for the week ending May the 10th, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties by the editors of those five newspapers. Polk County Publishing Company manager Kelly Barnes kicks off this week's podcast. Hello, my name is Kelly Barnes, and I'm coming to you with this podcast from the Polk County Enterprise Office in Livingston, Texas. And I have with me two newspapers. I have Sunday's paper, which came out on May the 5th, and then I also have the paper dated as of this podcast timing tomorrow, May the 9th. So we have some current news here and interesting things for you to read. Um, My goal in this podcast is not to tell you everything, but to get you interested in getting the paper and finding out all the details yourselves. The first thing that struck me on, um, I'm just going to go right to May 9th's paper because there is an image that's courtesy of the University of Central Florida Libraries, but there's going to be a day of living history featuring the Buffalo Soldiers, and it's hosted by Lake Livingston State Park on Saturday, May the 18th on the Park Peninsula. Now, as an East Texan, I have always loved Lake Livingston State Park. When my children were young, we went there and we camped, and it's a beautiful place if you go just for the day or to spend a weekend or a week. I love Lake Livingston State Park. So I want to remind people, if you haven't been out to Lake Livingston State Park lately, you need to make plans to go there because it is beautiful and it's a nice family place to go. And here's a great opportunity, Saturday, May the 18th. If you'd like to go there, they're going to be having this Living History Day. So thank you for that information, Polk County Enterprise. Last time we met, I did tell you about how good the Livingston Choir was doing. I think it was a special group. And um, today on page one, we have another group. This is the entire high school choir. They're going to go to the Showcase of Musical Choral Festival in San Antonio. And they've already won Outstanding Performing Group during five of the last seven festivals. So they've got, according to the Enterprise, a generation of excellence going. And that is exciting. And these students are pictured on page one of Thursday's Enterprise. Looks like the voters did approve in Onalaska to allow the sale of liquor by the drink within the city limits. There was a hundred vote margin. Okay, you've heard me talk about Lacey K. Booth, and she's in the semifinals, uh, moving into the semifinals this Sunday. Five people are going for three spots. And there is a great possibility that Lacey K. Booth could get one of those three spots, and then she will come to Livingston for the royal treatment. And what's going to happen is camera crews from all over East Texas and the United States are going to converge on Livingston, and we're going to be showcased along with Lacey K. Booth. So I encourage you all, even if you're not a music buff or an American Idol fan, 
Get with someone who can help you vote and get out the vote. Every person can vote 30 times on three different platforms. And I personally am going to do that. I want Lacey K. Booth to be able to come to Livingston for her hometown visit. So in the paper, it spells out exactly how to do that. If you need some help, come by the Polk County Enterprise and we will help you do that. There's another group. I'm going to just have to give a shout out to Homegrown. They made this beautiful sign that's out at an old golf course range next to Lowe's. And Amy Hendricks is encouraging people to come out there and get their picture made with the We Love Lowe's. Lacey sign and then post it all over your social media and hang it up at your places of business. We've done that. We went out yesterday and got that done. So we encourage you all to do that. And thank you so much to Amy and her crew for making that happen for Lacey and for Livingston and Polk County. We do appreciate it. Valerie's telling us that a missing man was found alive near Long King Creek after spending two nights alone in the thickly wooded area surrounding the gardens at Pettico Park, Gary Lynn Williamson, 64, of Livingston, was located by a family member. He'd been missing since Thursday, May the 2nd. On Saturday, the 4th, he heard people calling his name, his family members, and he responded. So we appreciate all the help on that story, and we're very glad that he is doing well. Let's see what else we have in the paper this week. I know there's a lot going on. As a matter of fact, sports has really big things. Let's get over there to see what Brian's telling us on the sports pages. The Lady Lions travel back to Crosby, Texas for a third round. They had a 9-0 win over Brazoria on that past Friday night, and they're going to be moving ahead for a good season. And so we're looking forward to watching the Lady Lions. Looks like academic all districts for the Lady Lions. We have Amy and Eliza, Veronica, Elizabeth, Tatum, Alexis, Charlie and Kaylin. So that is your academic all-stars from Livingston. That's awesome. And then we had some girls soccer awards also. And some of those awarded were Veronica and Eliza and Charlie. It's those same girls. They're soccer girls. That's awesome. Okay, let's see. And we have an all-state team. Livingston's Carlos Fernandez and Ivan Davalos were named to the TASCO all-state team. And they're also soccer. So that's cool. We have anglers of the year. Oh, my goodness. There's so much on these sports pages. You've got to get the paper to read all about it. Do you all remember the case, of course, of the shooting? And we had several of our residents killed. Randy Horn was the shooter. And an autopsy has come back and shows that he had a blood alcohol concentration of more than twice the legal limit during the mass shooting at the Delaney Ranch in Livingston. So uh, there's more details about that in the Sunday, May 5th issue of the paper. There is Wi-Fi at the park now. Looks like Matthew Street Park has Wi-Fi for Livingston ISD students. The appraisal district is set to hear property owner protests coming up soon. Let's see if they tell us what date that's going to be. Yes, May 15th or within 30 days after the appraisal district sends the owner notices. Uh, the protest is actually going to be May 16th, so mark your calendar if that's something that you're interested to. The county's unemployment rate has fallen to 4.6%, and the Garden Club is active here in Livingston. It looks like they have a tea tasting as part of their show. It's called Movies in the Garden. 
It was the theme of their garden show, and a number of the stars were winners of the horticulture and design division. So it's exciting. It was held in Miss Effie's cottage in Livingston, and there were tables filled with horticulture entries as well as floral designs set in a movie theme. You know, Barbara White, she used to be the editor of the Polk County Enterprise, and every single week she has an article in the paper that looks back 25 years. And if you want to start feeling old, just add up where you were 25 years ago and it's and you think gosh that couldn't have been that long ago but in this particular paper she is focusing on some UIL academic regional winners from 25 years ago and also on on Alaska ISD officials it says may have been having some trouble getting voters to approve a bond issue 25 years ago but there was still plenty of pride in the district. In May of 1994, Onalaska Sports Association President Jean Ann Bird, First National employees Julie Miller and Carla Dunning, and student T.J. Dunning posed with a newly installed sign that had been donated by the bank. That sign was put out there 25 years ago. Okay, we have a local student who has advanced to state in Bible drill. Congratulations, Melanie Howard. And we have a picture of her being ready to compete. Melanie was introduced at Central Baptist Church in Livingston by her father, James Howard, as she prepared to compete in the Texas Baptist Bible Drillers State Final Competition. That's great. And Elizabeth Vera, a 2000 graduate of Corrigan Camden High School, was promoted to the rank of Chief Warrant Officer for during ceremonies held March 22nd at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. She's the daughter of Juan and Blaza Vera of Corrigan and enlisted in the Army shortly after completing high school. Congratulations to you. And you know what? I saw a beautiful baby that's been born, and this baby was featured in the Polk County Enterprise. Did you know that you could have your new babies featured in the Polk County Enterprise? Yes, we still do that, and we do not charge. We have a new arrival, Lincoln Daniel Harris, son of J.C. Harris and Chase Harris of Kingwood, was born, and he has one older brother, Wyatt Harris. So congratulations to that family. I'm sure they're from the Polk County area, and if you have any babies, if you have any engagement announcements, wedding announcements, we would love to have them. You can email them to editor at polkenterprise.com, and our editor, Greg Peak will get those in the paper for you. And thank you for listening, and go out and get yourself a paper. You can get an e-edition, you can buy it off the stands, and read the print product. Hello East Texas, Megan Whitworth here with the latest news in Houston County. So let's just get into it. Let's talk about the biggest news item that is still having people talking on Facebook and on the streets are the election results. Houston County had a very hotly contested election this year for um, election day was May 4th, last Saturday. It was a crazy race with so many different races going on in the county. And uh, on Saturday, Alton Porter, our reporter, he was at the courthouse in Crockett and our courier manager, Tony Browning, was at the city hall and I was taking photos at a wedding in Nacogdoches. And talk about, we had a plan, but I was going crazy, taking so many different pictures. And Alton and Tony were texting me, hey, this person voted this, this person got this. And it was just a crazy night. And we were so excited to see what was going to happen. 
in Houston County for the different races. So we're just so excited for it to come to a conclusion on this year's election, but we are so excited to keep moving forward and see what these new people are going to do with their new capacities. Let's first talk about the Crockett news that we have a new mayor-elect. For that position, the challenger Dr. Ianthea Fisher came out on top with 780 votes and one-term mayor Joni Klotz had 609 votes and Joni has been in the mayor position since 2017 and Fisher is making history. She is the first African-American elected mayor outright by voters in a city-wide election. So that's definitely very cool just in like a news point stance. And when Tony was out there on the scene, when the election results came in, she reported that there were shouts and cheers when Fisher was announced the winner. So Dr. Fisher is expected to be sworn into office on Monday, May 13th at the next city council meeting. So congratulations, Dr. Fisher. We are excited to see you in action as mayor. In the news of business election results, the people have spoken and the Crockett Economic and Industrial Development Corporation, also known as the CEIDC, is here to stay. A total of 824 persons voted to keep the CEIDC and some 547 voters cast ballots asking that the corporation be done away with. That has been one of the hottest topics for the past year in Crockett, Texas. So personally, I am so happy to see it come to a conclusion and hopefully we can just move forward. Plus, there are some old and new faces on the Houston County Hospital District Board along with the Great Glen Hospital District Board of Directors has a new board member and there are several local school districts that have new trustees. So you don't want to miss out reading the results of those races. The hospital district of the Houston County Hospital District was a very contested race. So there's some upsets in those. So definitely check that out. It is our lead story on page 1A. Also in election news, the Houston County District Attorney's Office is investigating complaints alleging that irregularities occurred during the recent election. Randy Hargrove, who is an office investigator with the District Attorney, confirms that an investigation is going on. Hargrove said, we've had some complaints we are looking into. We really don't know anything at this point. We're just looking into it and we don't know if it's going to be a misdemeanor or a felony. It just depends on what we possibly may find. He also added that other than that, we can't comment much on it because it's just allegations right now. So there's lots of rumors going around, Facebook people talking, but keep your nose into the newspaper because we will update you with the facts of what is going on, the, on with the case as, as things come forth. And also in crime news, a credit card skimmer was found. Local law enforcement recovered this skimmer at a gas station in Crockett. The Crockett Police Department deputies recovered the item them at the Biggs Exxon Station, which is located at 2316 North 4th Street in Crockett on May 1st, according to a release. Law enforcement deputies encourage citizens to check their bank and credit card accounts if they have purchased fuel from the station anytime over the last month. My dad has had his credit card information stolen. It's happened to my husband and it's an awful situation. It's very personal that someone's taking your information and spending your money that was earned on other things that you did not. And so definitely check often your bank account because it is such a hassle when your information is stolen and you definitely want to keep an eye on that. So 
make sure you do that. So you don't want to miss out on the latest news in Houston County. With The Courier, we are constantly updating our Facebook with the latest graduation information, latest crime, or what is going on in this area and in the state. And you can follow us at HC Courier on Facebook. And then our website is hccourier.com. There's just a lot going on. Graduation is gearing up. The 26th annual 2019 Houston County Youth Talent Showcase will be later this month. And the cast was recently announced. And you can check those results out also on page 1A. And also in this week's issue, a new Caney woman shared her story when she got lost in the Davy Crockett National Forest. That is one of my worst nightmares is to get lost and I get lost all the time when I'm driving so check it out there was a big search and rescue to find her anyways so lots going on lots happening especially as May is gearing up just keep your eye out on the latest news from the courier so till next time I'll chat with y'all later bye howdy everybody Chris Edwards here representing the Tyler County Booster bringing you some news from the eastern contingent of the Polk County Publishing area of coverage. So I hope everybody's having a pleasant week and staying dry and staying busy and having some fun when you can. So uh, here's a few things that have been happening, are happening, have happened in Tyler County this week. The first thing in this week's edition of The Booster, the, the big story, is that a lone finalist was named as superintendent for Woodville ISD. They had a special meeting on Monday night to announce this, and that lone finalist for the position is, drumroll please, Lisa Meisenborg. Now, Lisa currently is the superintendent over in Schulenburg, out in the Hill Country, and she's been in education for quite a while. She served that district since 2013 as the super, and before that, she was an administrator. She was an elementary principal for that same district, and then before that, she worked at the Weimar Elementary School and then had worked uh, as a teacher prior to getting into administration. Congratulations to Lisa. Now, there is a process until she's fully appointed and hired, however. There's like a 21-day waiting period before the board members approve her appointment to finalize it. And that gives time for some input and consideration and different discussions by the board members and and also allows them sometimes to work out details of her employment duties. So, uh, so yeah. And on Monday night, Glenn Connor, who's currently superintendent, he announced that he would be retiring in June. Well, he announced in February that he'd be retiring at the end of June. Um, he said that there were over 50 applicants who put their names in the hat for, for the position, and they'd interviewed nine of them. And uh, Mr. Connor himself, he's going to be uh, feted at a community-wide celebration for his years in, in education. It's going to happen in Woodville at the First Baptist Church Family Life Center. Anyways, he said that retirement is feeling better and better every day as it draws closer to that time. And also he said in the past that he's going to do some things in his retirement that he's been wanting to do for a long time and just hasn't had the chance to do some things like travel and also to spend some time with his slew of grandchildren that he has. So congratulations on retiring, Mr. Connor, and you've, you certainly earned it. And uh, congratulations to Lisa Meisenborg for being named the lone finalist. I hope that you continue to, to lead Woodville ISD once you're fully appointed and continue to, to do the good things that, that have been going on for the, the last several years over there. So congratulations. Moving right along, here's a story of something that also happened in Woodville that I think that's event should be of 
interest to all of the people in our region of, of news coverage because we all counties that we service had some damage from big bad hurricane harvey in 2017 the general land office has a program called the homeowners assistance program and they have several billion dollars for statewide funds allocated for hurricane harvey victims and 143 million of that have been satisfied for seven counties within the detcog region which those counties are tyler county and jasper polk county newton county san jacinto sabine and san augustine counties so We've got uh, Tyler and, and Polk and San Jacinto are, are all within our, our region of news coverage for the uh, the newspapers that we publish through Polk County Publishing. But anyways, um, as this pertains to Tyler County, groundbreaking and demolition followed on the, uh, the first rebuild project in Tyler County that's going to be done through the GLO's funds for this program. And it happened here in Woodville on Monday afternoon, a home that is owned by uh, Brooksy Skarsgård. They're on uh, Cobb Mill Road was demolished and it should be rebuilt within a month or so. Now, the builders who get the contracts to do these projects have a 120-day window under the uh, stipulations of the program. And and I was told by a lady from the GLO that it's usually about a month or so turnaround on the rebuild projects. But for anybody who's needing some assistance and and was affected by Hurricane Harvey and still hasn't been tended to, there's a lot of money left in this program. Now, it's a first-come first serve basis, but there is an intake center here in Woodville that's open at the Tri-County Outreach or Tri-County Community Action Office, which is located here in Woodville, and it's open on Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. But check into it if you're interested in this program because there should be some kind of intake center or representatives present somewhere within your community. If you have any questions, there is a toll-free number to call on the, the GLO's website. I don't have it here in front of me, but if, if you Google it and you look into their website under the program, it's a 1-844 number. So give them a call and, and see what, what's available. And I was told by the lady, her name is Brittany Eck from the GLO, that most people who do come and see about this and fill out the paperwork are tended to. And it's not just for complete rebuilding projects, but also for uh, remodeling, restoration, repairs, any way that homes were affected by Hurricane Harvey and still haven't been tended to, they can help out with. It's a great program, and again, Brittany X said that a lot of people who have heard about this program or read about it just say or think that it's too good to be true, but it actually is a thing, and yeah, so anyways. Also, this week, if you happen to grab a copy of the Tyler County Booster, there's a story about a young lady from Warren who is participating. She's the current reigning Miss Junior Tyler County, and she's also going on to statewide pageant competition in June for the title of Outstanding Miss Teen Texas of 2019. And her name is Camry Spearman, and she's the daughter of, of an old friend of mine from, from high school, actually two old friends of mine, uh, Philip Spearman and Jennifer Spearman, used to be Jennifer Seal. And she's running her pageant platform. It's a very interesting one. She's using her pageant success to speak to the advocacy of suicide prevention and mental health issues, which I 
think is a very worthwhile platform to stand upon and something that does need to be spoken about more within our culture in, in general. And interviewing Camry, I learned that, statistically speaking, that suicide is the number two cause of death for people who are ages 10 to 24. And it's it's quite staggering. And I'm completely in agreement. I mean, that's a topic that needs to be, you know, brought out of the broom closet and discussed without the stigma of shame or, or taboo affixed to it. Any kind of mental health issues, you know, anything like that needs to be discussed openly. And so kudos to Camry for bringing some social awareness to the beauty pageant scene and running her, her platform on such a socially conscious issue. Also, if you happen to grab this week's edition of The Booster, we have a feature story about the Kirby High School class reunion. Now, every year they do a class reunion and they spotlight every 10 years or so of classes. But this year, the spotlight class was on uh, the class of 1969, but also, you know, the classes of, of 1959 and 49 were also represented at this and so forth. I think there had one from uh, who was present from the class of 49. But anyway, our reporter and, and occasional feature writer, Mike Manis, was out there to document this and, and really did a cool job of kind of setting it within a certain time frame and capturing a lot of what the speakers had to say at this event and really cool. So if you get a chance to pick up the booster, be sure and check that out. So Kirby High School, of course, you know, it's now Woodville High School, but years ago, before it burned down, it was Kirby High School was the, was the high school campus here in Woodville. And also, Mother's Day is coming up. It's going to be this Sunday. So if you haven't planned anything for, for your mom and bought her anything or made any plans, uh, go ahead and take care of that. And in this week's edition, of the booster, we have a little Mother's Day tribute section, so uh, be sure and check that out. I wrote an essay about my mom and my grandmother, and then there's also a story about some gift ideas, depending on what kind of person your mom is, and you know, some helpful information in there. So, yeah, get after it, you know, honor your mom. You can't beat a good mother, so you know, can't forget a good mother, so if, if she's not with us anymore. So, uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. So, anyways, um hope everybody is having a fantastically awesome or maybe awesomely fantastic week and continues to. And again, my name is Chris Edwards, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we'll catch you next week. As always, be good to one another and be good to yourselves as well. Take care. In Trinity County, we had one election to speak of, and that was a board election for the Trinity ISD. Trustees Monty Huffman, Kevin Searcy, and Maria Trevino all retained their seats in the election. We also had a visit from the Harlem Wizards basketball team. They played against the Trinity Misfits, a group of Trinity community members, and as usual, the Wizards were victorious. We also had a ribbon cutting for the new rehabilitation wing of Avalon Place Nursing and Rehabilitation Center. The new wing has several amenities such as an exercise room, a kitchen, a washer and dryer, walk-in showers, and other amenities to help residents readjust to becoming independent and life back at home. We also have a story on a trio of athletes who are competing in this weekend's state track and field meet. Trinity athlete Justin Stanley will compete in the Class 3A boys 110-meter hurdles. And Apple Springs athletes Cody Baird and Ethan Hollis will compete in the Class 1A boys high jump. Well, hello, everyone. This is Jacob McAdams, the editor of the San Jacinto News-Times. 
and I'm going to give you all of our news from the last week of April all the way to May 8th, which is today as of this recording. Uh, we have quite a bit to talk about, and we have two very big stories as well, but I'm going to knock out a few of the small fries really quick before we get to those two big stories. Um, but first things first, had a really cool event at Cold Spring Oakhurst High School with their Air Force JROTC students. This year, they on May 1st, they had the first inaugural aerospace science showcase. And the students were allowed to pick to do research projects on different aircraft from the very beginning, from all the way back to when the Wright brothers first flew a plane to modern day. And we had some kids really show their knowledge. You know, they, they took they all they all received models of the aircraft they chose to re research, which could include jets, planes, helicopters. As long as it was an aircraft, it was a legit item that they could research. And uh, they took the models and they they did some research to put them on a trifold, uh, which was on display. All all the kids had their trifolds and their models on display at the high school campus's uh, cafeteria. And had some really cool pieces. Kid had an F-15. One kid showcased one of the more modern helicopters. Some kids were showing off like the Tomcat and just any kind of vehicle or aircraft, I should say, that you could think of. And they're hoping to expand this event in the future. Uh, but we'll see more of that later. It will be in our upcoming edition of the paper. We didn't have room for it for the issue that we were going to have for this week for the May 9th issue. Had quite a bit going on in our paper, but that's okay. We'll still see them later. We also had the Trash Bash event over in Shepherd, and if you don't know what Trash Bash is, uh, it's an annual event. This is actually the second year that they've done it, but last year, the Trash Bash gave the Shepherd residents an opportunity to clean up around their property and have the city, it's a, uh, I say the city, it's actually the city and the precinct to constable's office. They set up containers to allow people to drop off their trash and their junk, I actually should say, and I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. And they take care of it for them. And this year, both years have been successful. And residents, the only things they can't drop off are any hazardous materials, chemicals, for instance. And they also cannot drop off household garbage. So those are the only two things. But they'll take, like, broken appliances and other junk that you no longer need. And, you know, you, you name it. Uh, and they'll hold another trash bash next year around May. So if you want more information, uh, I mean, it's going to be a year before it happens again. But... Uh, just be sure to give the city or the Precinct 2 Constable's Office a call to get more information about that event. Uh, we also had the uh, Wagon Tails Rescue uh, Group, or uh, yes, and they, they had a fundraiser here recently. And Wagon Tails, it's a, it's a new, or relatively new, I should say, uh, local uh, dog rescue. And uh, they had a fundraiser over at American Legion Post 629 this past Saturday on May 4th. And uh, the fundraiser, I mean, they, they had a lot of the standard stuff, raffle items. Uh, they had a, a silent auction, and they were selling barbecue plates, and you name it. They, they were doing it. Uh, and they were supported by the Precinct 3 Constable's Office. In fact, their sanctuary is actually right next to the office. Uh, it's pretty close to it, at the very least. But I do believe it's actually right by the Precinct 3 Constable's Office, which is right outside of the Precinct 3 
uh, barn for the commissioner. And um, they also provided some dogs that they uh, were showing for adoption. Uh, two of the dogs actually did get adopted. Um, and so, I mean, they're, they're just there to try and help street dogs, try and save them and provide them with new homes. Uh, so it's just a new nonprofit that uh, is serving the county in uh, some form or fashion. They do have a Facebook page, and if you'd like to adopt a dog, you can visit that page or you can call them directly at 281-450-3676. Again, that's 281-450-3676. And that can also be if you want to support them through a donation, uh, you can call them at that number as well. Uh, Now... Getting on to um, one more story that we we do need to talk about um, before I get to our two biggest items. Uh, Cold Spring Oakhurst CISD just had uh, an election, and it was for two of their school board members uh, or school board positions. And uh, the winners are, uh, or or I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but uh, the Election was for trustee positions three and four. Uh, they were the only contested races in the uh, election. Uh, position three was between Tony L. Sewell, who is the incumbent, uh, and the two people running against him are, or, or were, I should say, Dixie Marshall and James Sykes. Uh, Sewell won the race. He had 198 votes, uh, but Sykes was pretty close behind him. He had 184 votes. So. Pretty close race, but uh, Sewell came out on top there. And uh, on position four, it was between Berlin Bradford, who's the incumbent, against Mike Jones. Um, This one wasn't quite as close. Uh, Bradford won with 261 votes, but Mike Jones had 135, so he had a little over half of what Bradford got, so about roughly a third of the total vote count. Um, so that's how the election results turned out there. Now I'll get to our two biggest stories. So the first one actually happened on April 30th, and that is former county judge John Lovett uh, actually was in cor- in the District 9 courtroom, which is up in the Montgomery County Courthouse. Uh, he was on trial for the uh, um, charges placed against him that he was arrested for last year in April 2018, uh, which involved uh, burglary of a building, tampering with the government with a government document, and uh, forgery. And uh, those first two charges, the burglary charge and the tampering with a government document charge, those are actually state jail felonies. And forgery is a class A misdemeanor. And so it was quite a bit. And these charges relate to an incident that took place in 2017 on July 7th, uh, where Lovett had reportedly entered the office of County Clerk Don Wright and allegedly used her timestamp to approve an upcoming commissioner's court agenda uh, at the time. Now, Lovett, from what I've understood, never actually denied any of this. Uh, you know, and from what was understood was he had taken. Uh, and again, this is being alleged, but this is from my understanding is that he had taken a skeleton key and went into Don Wright's office to approve the, the agenda. And he was wanting to do it because it was Friday and he had needed to get it approved 
um, in time for the upcoming Wednesday commissioner's court meeting. You have to have these meetings approved uh, in the Open Meetings Act 72 hours in advance. So if he didn't approve it then, it was just not going to be approved in time. Um, and so his reasoning was going why that was the reason why he went in there and took her timestamp to approve it because apparently he needed her approval uh, or he needed her timestamp approval, but she had actually already gone for the day. And it's um, it was an interesting situation to watch unfold. We actually had some big news outlets come out to Samson County when it happened. Um, but John wasn't arrested until almost a year later for those charges. Uh, it was investigated by the uh, Texas Attorney General's office. And uh, suffice to say, though, April 30th turned out to be a pretty interesting day, not just for Lovett, but also the county and the Texas Attorney General's office, because John Lovett was actually acquitted. And not only was he acquitted, but the District 9 judge, who is Phil Grant, he actually uh, uh, gave a directed verdict. Now, what a directed verdict means is he essentially orders the jury, uh, and I'm, I'm explaining this in layman's terms, of course, uh, but basically the jury is told that they're, they can't make any other decision because of certain reasons. Now, in this case, the idea is the judge pretty much told them that the only choice they had was to find John not guilty. And the reason why is essentially because the, the or, or essentially what's implied, I should say, is that the in this case, the uh, attorney general's office um, failed to prove a case against Lovett. Uh, we post this on our Facebook page on the same day. There was definitely some backlash to it uh, and whatnot. Uh, Lovett had proven to be a bit of a controversial figure uh over the course of his term of his term in office, um, but uh, so there, there were some people that uh, felt like this shouldn't have happened. Uh, we also talked to uh, San Jose County Chief Deputy uh, Dan Todd, who was a witness called to the trial, and uh, he he essentially had said that uh, he felt like it was a slap in the face to the judicial system, uh, the jury, and the hard work of the officers, uh, and. It's one of the issues that some people have with directed verdicts because essentially it, it means that the jury's testimony – or excuse me, uh, not testimony, but the jury's decision doesn't matter or their purpose doesn't matter. In this case, there really wasn't much point in them being there um, and whatnot. And there, there are instances where you may see where it, it, the jury might actually find a person guilty, but the judge might actually essentially throw out that conviction and say that that's based on prejudice or bias or whatever reasons there are. I mean, it's directed verdicts are very interesting, but they're also almost once in a lifetime. Uh, our news director, Valerie Riddell, had told me that I'll probably never see a, a directed verdict ever again, <laughs> uh, which uh, I mean, it's possible I could. We, we don't know. But um, there's still uh, there's still a chance I might. But it's just a very rare occurrence. So whenever you see a directed verdict happen in a trial or a courtroom case and whatnot, um, you know, take note of it because you may never see it again. Um, now, Lovett uh, was also arrested uh, this year, uh, last month, actually. Uh, for allegedly impersonating a public servant when he was going down to the Montgomery County Courthouse 
and bypassing security. This apparently involved him flashing his badge that was his old county judge badge, which um, you know, he, he was removed from office and, and whatnot. But, of course, this, the, uh, this happened supposedly back in February of this year. Uh, so even if he hadn't been removed from office, the term would have been up. But uh, we don't know exactly what's going on with this, but uh, more information on this trial will be ready in the future. Uh, but we also have another big story, which occurred today on May 8th. And this story involves uh, a number of interesting factors. But uh, if you were in Cold Spring uh, from 9 to 12, you probably noticed, if you went down to the square, that there were a ton of cars, uh, just uh, just bunches of cars, parked over at the Cold Spring Community Shelter and also spilling into the parking lot across the street. And essentially, there was a commissioner's court meeting, and the agenda was small, but the meeting lasted for about almost three hours. It was just short of three hours. And what happened was uh, there has been a demand from an organization called the Freedom From Religion Foundation, uh, which is based in Wisconsin. Uh, they had demanded that uh, the San Jacinto County Courthouse remove the crosses that are on the courthouse. Now, if you've ever uh, looked at the courthouse, uh, you may not have actually no noticed the crosses. There have been a number of people that have told me this themselves. that They've, they've never seen it. Uh, the crosses, they don't notice them. Uh, and there's reasons for that. They kind of blend into the courthouse pretty well. Uh, they, don't, they don't stand out quite too much, but there's one on each wall on the outside of the courthouse. So there's four of them total. And they are, they've been there since 2015. Uh, Lovett actually told me that um, these were put up during his term. And uh, uh, simply put, someone in the county, in San Jacinto County, and apparently it's a Cold Spring resident. We don't know who it is. But whoever it is apparently made a complaint about this to the Freedom From Religion uh, Foundation. And so they demanded that the Cold Spring, or, or I should say that San Jacinto County government, remove these crosses from the building. And it's uh, people caught wind of this well in advance to the meeting, and which is why so many people are there. Uh, we estimate at least uh, Fritz Faulkner, the county judge, he estimates at least 600 people were there because the uh, building, the shelter, has about uh, has capacity for about 500 people, uh, and apparently they or uh, they have 500 chairs, I should say, but they ran out really quick. Um, but they had 40, at least 40 people speak in public comments, and this ranged from. Uh, you know, low, just concerned citizens, uh, you know, religious leaders, and uh, even some young kids that were part of a congregation. They they've spoken uh, in this uh, on the situation, and uh, everyone pretty much. Uh, I, I shouldn't even say pretty much. Everyone, period. Everyone, period, that spoke was in support of keeping the crosses there. Uh, nobody wanted the crosses taken down in this in this meeting. Uh, as far as we could tell, um, the organization in question, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, none of them had a presence at the meeting. They might have just decided not to say anything, uh, but if they were, I didn't notice them, and uh, I, as far as I can tell, they were not there. But the county did choose, the, um, after, after the uh, public comments, uh, the uh, commissioners and uh, Fritz Faulkner, they voted unanimously to keep the crosses there. So they don't want to give in to the um, demands of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Um, however, uh, they don't feel like this fight is over with. And 
And case in point, uh, a representative from the uh, San Jacinto County uh, uh, Water Corporation actually uh, admitted that the Water Corporation had a cross up. Uh, I'm not sure which one they're talking about. I think they're talking about the one they have on the water tower, which is also lit during Christmas, uh, which is another one you would probably never even notice unless you looked up at it at night during Christmas. Um, that one they apparently decided to take down. Uh, they didn't state their exact reasons, uh, so it's speculation at this point, but they they decided to remove their cross. Um, but they said they will donate to anyone who wants it. Uh, the court is actually preparing uh, to figure out what their next move is because, uh, according to Faulkner, they don't believe this is going to be the end of it. They believe that the Freedom from Religion Foundation is going to attempt to take legal action against them. So they're, they're going to be discussing what their legal options are. But anyway, that's the news we have for uh, last week as well as this early event uh, this week. We're going to have some more stuff for you all next week, and I will see you all then.